welcome to everybody tonight. We're glad to have all of you in service with us, and especially if you're a guest tonight, we welcome you part of this service tonight. We're so glad to have you. To those that are watching online this evening, we welcome you as a part wherever you're watching us from tonight. Praise God. Revelation chapter 22. Verse number 16, Revelation 22. There's two books from the Bible I probably have preached from the least in 30 years. Song of Solomon and Revelation. Not for the same reasons. But you know, in the middle of all of the stuff in Revelation that we may not fully understand at this point, there's a bunch of good stuff in it. Especially that part in the beginning. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. First chapter 22 is the last chapter of the Bible. and This is almost the last couple of verses. 22 and 16. I, Jesus sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bride and morning star. Notice this isn't the message tonight, but notice who's talking. I, Jesus. Jesus said he was the root and the offspring of David. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Living Bible says, verse 17, this way, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let each one who hears them say the same, Come. Let the thirsty one come. Anyone who wants to, let him come and drink the water of life without charge. And then the Amplified says that verse this way, The Holy Spirit and the Bride, the church, the true Christians say, Come. And let, whom, let him who is listening say, Come. And let everyone come who is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. And whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come. Take appropriate, take, appropriate, and drink the water of life without cost. I'll preach to you this evening for a little bit on this subject. The two comes. The two comes. Father, thank you for your sweet presence we have been able to enter into again this evening. Thank you as always. We don't expect anything less, but thank you as always you have responded to our worship and our praise. And As we have given to you with our praise and our worship, you have given to us by touching and ministering to us. Whether that's in the moments where we were consciously praying one for another or Lord, maybe it was in the moments of worship that we didn't even realize you were doing stuff in us. You were meeting needs. You were renewing us, refreshing us. We, we thank you for it, Lord. God, once again tonight, I pray 
that you would minister to us, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to this congregation tonight. Lord, that what you would desire to say to us, that you would be able to do that. Father, once again tonight, I trust you. I depend on you. I confess again tonight, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I have found myself for a while, and I think I could say at least in this almost year since I have entered in afresh and anew to my consistent reading of the Word of God. I've never, it's not that I didn't ever read the Word of God, but as I've acknowledged already in the last year, almost year, that the consistency of that wasn't wasn't necessarily where I think it should be. And and I, I have I've said it several times and I'll say it again tonight. I am I have fallen in love with the Word of God all over again. In fact, I think I have fallen in love with the Word of God in a deeper way than ever before. And these last uh, two plus weeks have only enhanced that. If if you have not kept up with the readings of Psalm one nineteen and the commentary, you you owe it to yourself to to go back and start doing that. And just because we may be winding down with it, it's it's not too late. I, there there has just been some amazing things throughout those passages. Any anywhere from just simply what the verses say to some things in the commentary, just. Just absolutely amazing, and I got to tell you, one of the things that uh, that I am so thankful for once again is is the the, the transparency of the psalmist. <laughs> because throughout Psalm one nineteen, you find a man, and whether or not that's David, I guess until we get to heaven, we won't know for sure. But if it's David, whoever the psalmist is, you find a man that's not trying to hide his his fears and worries at times in the midst of his confidence and declarations of what the Word of God is. He's also honest that he still gets distracted. He still gets overwhelmed. And, and I, I need that because I still get distracted. I still get overwhelmed. And I, I appreciate the, the reality of Scripture, the realness of it. But the thing, and this is what I was ultimately getting to, another thing I have found, and, and, and hopefully it's been beyond just this last 10 months or so, but I found myself being more and more desirous of making sure that, that, that I understand Scripture, that I, that, I, that I accurately read. I said it this morning, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, you know, we, we say about some things, is it a heaven or hell issue? And, and if you don't know what that means in the context of that, see me afterwards. I'm not going to take a bunch of time on that right now. But, but, but I, I don't think this is a heaven or hell issue per se. But, but I, I, as I was pre- studying and preparing for this morning, and I, I, I was rereading the story of Saul, and, and I've said for years... And I've heard a whole bunch of other preachers say for years that as Stephen was being stoned, Saul was standing there holding their coats. That's not what it says. 
Out of multiple translations, I found one that says that. Basically, all the rest of them, including the King James, says that as Stephen was being stoned, they laid their coats at Saul's feet. And in essence, he was watching over them, but he wasn't standing there. I've always imagined Saul standing there holding the coats. That's why it's important for you to have your own personal knowledge of what's in this book Not what I say is in it, not what somebody else tells you that's in it, but you need to be able, because the only way for the Spirit of God to quicken to your mind something that's wrong or or something that's off is you need something in you. So I, I, I really, I'm saying all of those, all of that rambling to say, and hope that you hear me if I'm your pastor, that I it is my absolute desire to, Paul said to Timothy, you need to rightly divide the word. I think what, if we could, we say that in 2023 terminology, what, what Paul was saying to Timothy was, Timothy, you need to be, you need to know how to break it down accurately. I've heard a lot of great messages, or I thought they were great messages, except as I listened to them and compared in my mind what Scripture said, I'm like, that's great, but that's not what the Bible says. And it's really scary when a large crowd of people are going crazy over it, and they don't know any, any better. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying that I have never and will never make mistakes in my interpreting and understanding of the Word of God, but it is my desire, it is my utmost desire for your soul's sake and my soul's sake (laughs) to properly convey what the Word of God says. So this is kind of one of those verses, verse 17, that all my life I've heard it and I feel like the only way I've ever really heard it communicated has to do with the second coming of Jesus. The scripture says, John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in reference in, in verse 17 is, is if you don't have a, that, that is one of, you know, I, I, I think the red letters and the black letters are equally important. There's a couple songs on Christian radio about, you know, the letters written in red. I'm like, he didn't write them in red. <laughs> but I do think sometimes it helps to, 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 to recognize the words that were Jesus' words on, when he was on this earth. But it's also interesting because Jesus isn't on the earth anymore, but it's in red. Same thing happens when... Paul is asking God to take care of his thorn, and the Lord responds, my grace is sufficient. That's in red. So if you don't have a Bible and the screen doesn't usually show it, but, but, but verse 17 is in red. That means Jesus really said it. Even though he wasn't there to, in person to really say it. Verse 17 goes back to the black letters. So that's just God talking. <laughs> Being a little facetious, obviously. But, uh, 
But verse 17 says this. Again, John, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And again, I've always heard that having to do with the idea of the church reaching a place where the Spirit and the Bride were, you know, almost kind of desperate, saying, Lord, come. And I will tell you that based on my digging into this verse this week, I do believe that that is a part of this verse, hence the title, The Two Comes. That there is a part of this that the Spirit and the Bride are saying, Come, and, and, and if you finish the chapter, it says, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I say, with regards to that first come, we have got to... To never forget as apostolics that what we do cannot be done through the flesh. That we cannot accomplish what we're called to do through natural means and abilities. And you got to understand there has always been a temptation to try to do things of the Spirit through natural fleshly means. Now, y'all did alright last weekend with Brother Hurt and his methodical pace. There's always one of the best examples has to do with Abraham. Let me tell you something. When God gives you a promise, rest assured, He is not leaving it up to you to figure out how to fulfill the promise. When God gives you a what, God has the how. God doesn't give you the what and leave it up to you to figure out the how. God has the what, He's got the how, and He's got the when. And I can promise you pretty much the how and the when never fit what you think. And the moment you think you've got it figured out how God's going to do it, if He was going to do it that way, He's going to switch it up just to throw you off. And I also know for a fact the when never I tell you that personally because I got a bunch of wins that I had a markdown for then in the past, and they haven't happened yet. So there's how, there's when, there's where. All of that, so we get the what and get excited, and then we get discouraged and disillusioned because we forgot there's a when and where and a how. So God says to Abraham, I'm going to, at the time he's Abram, God says, I'm going to make you the father of many. Another thing I realize I've been missing, Abraham laughed before Sarah laughed. I always was, I always was, what's the word, what's the slang word? I was always throwing shade on Sarah. Sarah laughed. Not Abraham laughed first. Kind of reverse order. Eve got the fruit first. Abraham laughed first. But but he gets the promise, and it's about ten years or so in. And Sarah, Sarah says, 
you know, maybe, maybe what God said, he didn't really mean it the way you thought. Why don't you, why don't you take my maid and, and maybe through her, the child can, can come to pass. The other thing I've never noticed before as I was reading it the other day is that Sarah's maid that she gave to Abraham, I've said it, I said it recently, I can't explain everything in the Bible now. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You're going to have to wait and ask Jesus about some stuff. Multiple wives, women giving their maids, I don't get all of it, I don't and any of you want to try to live that way, you need to read the stuff that's been said since then. Don't work that way no more. Not sure it was supposed to back then. But but the other thing that stood out to me the other day was the fact that Sarah's maid was Egyptian. And Egypt and Egypt represents what? There's always been this temptation to mix producing what's supposed to be done by the Spirit with worldly efforts, worldly ways. And you can rest assured, because we're still dealing with it today, when you mix spiritual things and worldly things, the results you're going to get is not the results you're looking for. We can't finish in the flesh what started in the Spirit. I think we've got some of the most talented singers and anointed singers that we've ever had. Not that we haven't had other great ones throughout the history of Antioch, the Apostolic Church. But the group of praise singers and the worship team that we have, they're, they're, they're amazing. We've got great musicians that are talented and anointed, and I'm thankful for it. But all of that can never become the focus of how we try to impact lives and get people in the kingdom. It's got to be by the working of the Spirit of God. This thing started in the Spirit and it's got to be finished in the Spirit. I haven't preached to you in three weeks and I ain't preaching to you next week so I just decided two seconds ago I'm going to take my time. This didn't start through our ingenuity and our ideas didn't start in a brainstorming session somewhere started in the spirit and it's got to stay in the spirit he began the work he's going to finish the work we got to make sure that we stay focused on the fact that it's his spirit that has got to produce it and and can i just say and, and this is not the primary context of it. I acknowledge that. But there needs to be in us and even so come quickly, or excuse me, a come in response that we need Jesus. We need the presence of God to show up. Every time we gather in this sanctuary, every time you gather for an Oikos night, 
every time you young young adults get together in the chapel or whatever other gatherings we have when you get together for a CMI setting when you get together whatever it is we've got to have there's got to be something that joins within us that says come Jesus because if you don't show up we're wasting our time if your spirit doesn't come and do something then we're not going to accomplish anything we've got to have you Zechariah chapter 4 verse number 1 says the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me what seest thou and I said I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it of one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. I just, I forgot. There was a reason why I said I was about to take my time, and I forgot to say why. Go back to my last point. This probably won't be the last time you hear about this, the Lord willing. We better be careful about all the worldly mindsets and ideology that we are embracing in the church. And I'm not talking about dress and gender and all of that stuff. Make it plain, Pastor. Okay, I will. We better be careful when we talk much, as much psychology as we do Bible. We better be careful when our vocabulary is more one of modern day psychology than it is of the Word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the Word of God remains forever. I don't need a psychologist to help fix me. I I don't need some humanistic ideology to straighten my life out. Because there's a lot of things in this book that are the answer that psychology doesn't agree with. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't plan to do it, but maybe I did because I looked it up just in case. I did a I did a Google search recently on the I just simply typed in this self awareness and hit enter. This is the first thing that pops up. Self awareness is your ability to perceive and understand the things that make you who you are as an individual, including your personality, actions, values, beliefs, emotions, and thoughts. Okay, no, I don't really have a bone to pick about that, but, but here's the last sentence. Essentially, it is a psychological state in which the self becomes the focus of attention. Show me one single place from Genesis to Revelation that says your focus on yourself is supposed to be the thing. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and let him follow me. (laughs) 
we've done colors tests and we'll keep doing colors tests and we talk about profiles and personality. I'm not against all of that as long as it doesn't trump this. As long as this dominates your conversation and not some modern day terminology that dominates your conversation. Devil done got my iPad. I can't get my notes to come up. Can you imagine how much of the Bible we would not have had if everybody was focused on being self-aware and what they could I got I got I got a question. Do you really think? Do you really think Paul was sitting in prison? And was like, you know, well, I just feel like writing to the churches all the time. Bishop hears and repeats sometimes. I think I hear and repeat my own thoughts, but I, I don't know. Do you, do, you think, do, you, do you think after he had gone through some things he went through, he felt like writing? I, I, I said it. I, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to stand next to Paul and Peter and James and all those other guys. I'm not going to stand next to them and turn and say, hey, guys, guess what? In, in, in 2023, for 20 plus days, we, we went on a fast from media. We, we sacrificed for 20 plus days and didn't check our Instagram or our Facebook. We didn't check the news or we, we, we didn't do it. Can, we didn't watch our favorite shows full of profanity and immorality and ungodliness. Aren't, aren't you proud of us? I mean, do you really want to stand before next to them one day and. Paul, who's had his back beaten multiple times, shipwrecked, cast in prison. And I want to stay, hey, Paul, yeah, I know you spent some time in jail, but guess what I did, man? I didn't watch football for three and a half weeks. Aren't you proud of me? And then here, I might, I'm, I'm in it, I might as well. It's, it's the, uh, let me just say this before I say this. If the, the, I, I, I wish this was one person I was shooting. I wish I was shooting at one person with what I'm about to say. What do they call What's them guns when you shoot it and, and it scatters? What is that? Scatter shot? Bird shot? I wish all I needed was a, uh, a, um, a sniper bullet for one person. But unfortunately, I don't. How much, how much bandwidth do you think Paul had? Well, I just can't come to church, Pastor. I just can't do that. I just, I just don't have bandwidth. I, I bet Paul. Kidding me? Yeah. Uh, he's sitting stuck, and, and and he's sitting from prison. He's. You realize that several, several of the epistles. I've heard of people 
go on take my, my father-in-law through the years has gone away for a week or two to write books. He didn't go to jail. <laughs> One point I think he went to a family condo in Ocean City on the nothing wrong with that. Paul wasn't writing no letters to us from a condo overlooking the ocean. He was writing from jail. You think he felt like encouraging churches? You, you think he felt? I mean, can you imagine sitting in jail? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think, and I can't even get out of prison. tell you something. I've said it before and we'll say it again. There's some precious saints of God that are sitting in this room tonight that have been doing this for decades. That have sacrificed. Made amazing sacrifices to get us to where we are. And you think this last day generation's going to come along and it's all going to be comfortable and convenient and it's all going to fit into our neat little schedule and our little planner and it's not going to be any challenges and difficulties. You, If that's the way it happened, God owes all of time up until now an apology. I don't have to defend what I've preached and taught and my wife and I have stood for as long as we pastor. We believe in relationships. We believe in family. We believe in the importance of it. If you're going to sacrifice your kids on an altar, I think you ought to make sure you sacrifice them on the right altar instead of sacrificing them on some worldly altar. Back to Zechariah. What are these, my Lord? I, I don't know. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I was supposed to go to general conference this, this past week. And I had tickets, I had a hotel room, and I just, I didn't have peace. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, I didn't have peace. And, and then I ended up finding out later on in the week, the reason I didn't have peace had nothing to do with the reasons I thought. <laughs> so I, 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 I've, uh, I've watched some of the services live, and I've also gone back and watched some of the messages. And Friday night, one of the speakers, there was three speakers at the last service on Friday night, and one of the speakers was talking about the power of God, and he was talking about, I forget the source, it was a very reputable source of a, of a religious scholar or whatever, researcher, and, and, and the kind of some of the gist of the article was that, that, um, that, that Pentecostal, Pentecostalism is the fastest growing out of all Christianity. And 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 uh, he he referenced a bunch of different denominations that have had a fifty eight percent decline in their membership, and at the same time, statistics are that the Pentecostals have had a fifty eight percent increase in their me- membership. I'm talking about the United Pentecostal Church. I'm talking about in gen- no organization in in in, in general. And one of the things that he touched on was just amazing is is that in, in South and Central America where Catholicism has dominated the religious landscape, 
that the Pentecostals are growing. And, and they interviewed people to find out what, what was it about the Pentecostals and what's drawn you away from a life that's been in Catholicism to being a Pentecostal. There were three things that he said, and two of those things were this. One of them was the worship. Thank God that we still have men and women that in the midst of a service get up and take a lap. And it's all it, it, it never gets old watching a guest, a first-time guest especially. And then sometimes it's this. Thank God. Don't ever let it stop. Don't let it ever be said that we tamed our worship because we were afraid we might run somebody off. That's a part of who we are. I know some people, that's just tradition. It's just this. It's just that. If that's the way you want to view it, have at it. But as for me and my house, I believe that our worship and demonstrative worship is a part of who we are. And in fact, people are not usually torn, turned off by it. There's something that they recognize in it that is real and genuine. I'm not off the top of my head I can't think of one so we need to pray that God gives us one because through the years and some of y'all can go back years ago some of them old timers I called I could call a few names I know some of you could remember that even as a teenager that wasn't in leadership and ministry and pastoring I'd sit there some services like Lord please don't let so and so I won't call any names, but there was one guy, and he ran. I, I guess he was just ran so fast, but he ran so fast, his tie would get up and just fly the whole time. And we usually jog. It's really in a racetrack. To... There's other people, man. There's there, Through the years, there were ladies that would, man, it was like they stepped into a mud puddle that had a electrical current in it and they just went nuts and if I mean bobby pins were flying out of hair like daggers and you better watch out I'm thankful as I can say tonight I watch young people and I watch young adults I watch a next generation that has embraced apostolic worship. I, I watch, in fact, usually now when there's running that happens, it's, it's the young, it's the young adults, it's the young people, and every now and then some of us older people ma manage to come up with enough energy to take a lap. Or a half lap. One of the other three things that it was said that has drawn them is the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost and the miracles and the things that God has done. You, you do understand, I, I, some of you may not know, but you do understand there's some Christians out there that are sitting where they are saying there's got to be something more. There's got to I, I, I read what's happened in this book and, and I don't understand. It, it's got to still happen. In fact, in the last several years, we've had some folks show up here that said, I'm just looking for something more. That is by the Spirit. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let your power, let your presence, let your Spirit be manifested. Second Chronicles 32 and verse 7 
Speaking to Hezekiah, the scripture says, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For for there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Man, that's something to rest on. Notice, and this kind of goes a little bit back to the previous point, but I want you to notice with him is an arm of flesh. And, and, and it says that, that, that the king of Assyria, that, that there's a multitude with him. But then he says this, there, there's more that are with us than with him. The reason, the reason he had to say that, like the prophet Elijah, I think it was, or Elisha said to his servant, Lord, open his eyes that he may see, is because what was being seen in the natural was there's more against us than for us. But the, the king says, there's, Lord, there, there, there's more with us than with them. Let me just tell you tonight, if you're judging your walk with God, if you're judging truth based on crowds, you will judge wrongly. The Bible says more are the children of the bondwoman than the free. I haven't said this in a while, so let me just throw this out there tonight. Ishmael and Isaac had the same father. They had the same dad. The issue was who's the mom. Had nothing to do with the father. Had to do with the mom. Ishmael was the son of Hagar. Isaac was the son of Sarah. Some of you trying to wrestle with All the believers out there, it's okay. They may have the same father. But in this context, who's your daddy is not the issue. In this context, it's who's your mama. So there's more with us. And and they're trusting in the flesh, but... But we are trusting in the Lord to fight our battles. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21. I'm going to read into the next chapter, but starting one twenty-one, he says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are you in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He hath He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And again, it's a new chapter, but it's still the same thought. It's still all connected. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Some of y'all would do yourselves a great service if you would make up your mind not to know anything amongst us except Jesus and Him crucified. Some of you are more concerned about knowing about other people's business and stuff and mess than you are knowing about Jesus and Him being crucified. Paul said, I'm not trying to know everything about everybody. I just want to know something about Jesus. I'll tell you something. The more you learn about people, the more chances there are to get disillusioned. I, rem- I can faintly remember when I was younger. Well, I was I I was never negative, but I got to fight it. The older I get, Some- sometimes I feel like Elijah. Lord, is there anybody serving you? Some of y'all sitting there, yeah, I wonder this. Yeah, you ought to be looking in the mirror. I'm going to tell you what, if I judge my success and my effectiveness as a pastor based on a bunch of stuff I learned time to time, I am the biggest failure in the world. All I can do is go by what the Lord told Ezekiel. If you don't warn them, their blood's on your hand. But if you warn them and they still do it anyway, I'm taking their blood off of your hand. It's on them. Man, I really need to get a table and a stool because I'll probably keep it a whole lot more subdued if I did that. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know how I was, how I was chatting with someone the other day, and I, I, they, they're not participating at this point in the, in the media detox. They're, they're not, not. And I said, you know, I told them, because they're kind of in the know with some stuff. I said, man, 
I have just I did I have realized what an absolute wonderful thing it is just to not know what's going on. I can't do anything about when I know except worry and stress and get frustrated. Man, it's wonderful just to not know. News, all that stuff. I've, 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 yeah, anyway. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let it always be said that in this bride there is a desire that says, Come, Jesus, let your Spirit come. Let your Spirit move. Let your Spirit work. Don't let us try to do anything without you. Don't let us try to have church without you. Don't let us try to minister without you. We need you to come. We need you to work. We need you to move. I acknowledge if you're sitting there checking it all, I've kind of broadened a little bit, I think, even of that first come. But that's the first come. Even so, come quickly. I, I believe that there is an application of that verse, 2217, that is about the second coming of Jesus. But, but if you really read the verse, there's more to this verse than that. Read it again, 17, and the Spirit and the Bride say, the Spirit... And the bride, you, you do understand that the, that the bride is not always in alignment with the Spirit. Sometimes there's things the Spirit's trying to do. There's things the Spirit wants that the bride is. Man, it's a, it's a lovely thing when my wife and I are on the same page with a decision. You like this? Yep, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. You want to do it? Yeah, absolutely. You want to eat there? Yeah, sure. Oh boy. When you're not, you gotta try to reconcile. Well, that's that's the spirit and the bride say come. And watch this. Let him that heareth say come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. There needs to be a coming together of the Spirit and the Bride that says to those that are thirsty, come. Not just the Spirit saying come. Not just the Spirit saying come. But the bride needs to be in unison with the Spirit saying to those that are thirsty, come, come and drink of the living water freely. The biblical illustrator says this, I think I perceive another connection, namely that those people who in very truth love Christ enough to cry to Him continually to come are sure to love sinners also and say to them also, Come. 
Oh, God, let there be an awakening in Antioch Central that we're not just joining with the Spirit and saying to you, come, but let there be an awakening in Antioch Central to those that are thirsty, to those that are hungry, that we are joining in the Spirit and we are saying, come. And no, for some of you that need me to say it, I'm not saying simply come to a building. I'm talking about come to the church, to the bride, to the called out ones. There appears to be a bit of a reference here to what John is saying to Isaiah 55 and verse number 1. The Spirit says through Isaiah, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye. Buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. If you need it, come. If you're hungry, come. The Spirit is saying, come. The Holy Ghost is saying, come. But I'm asking. Asking Antioch Central tonight, are we joining with the Spirit? And is the Spirit and the Bride saying, Come? Luke chapter 14, verse 16, familiar scriptures for many of you. But the Bible says this Then he said unto them, Jesus speaking, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto them, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them I pray thee have me excused another said I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come Nathaniel that's not a good enough excuse next weekend (laughs) kind of sounds kind of sounds like what Jesus talked about with the parable of the seed the cares of this life. It's a scary thing when your blessings keep you from the purpose of God. It's a scary thing when your blessings start taking more time in your life than the things of the kingdom take in your life. We, we, you know, we, we can't. We're, we're too blessed. We're too blessed to come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. And, here, and, 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 and so, so, so basically the, the implication there is the initial people that he went out to, it's all the people that you want to be at the party. Yeah, we want the guy that just, what, what, what's one of them say? What's he say? Uh, uh. Verse, verse 18, I have bought a piece of ground, and I need to go see it. But you got some money if you go buying ground that you haven't even seen. I, I, I bought some auction, and I need to go prove them. I, I need to go make sure they can. I've already bought them. You got some bank if you're doing that. And we love. We'd love to 
fill this place up with the people that can write the checks for ministry and all this stuff and never have and, and the people that are the who's who of Iron Arundel County and all we we love to have all them. But they all got the invitation to this supper and none of them chose. So he says, here's what I want you to do. What did Paul say? Not many noble, not many wise. Some of you don't understand that your lack is such a great blessing. You understand there's thousands of people that didn't have time for God today because they had so much finances they could spend it on whatever God they wanted to spend it on. The wise man said, God, don't give me so much that I forget about you. And then also, don't let me have so little that I steal and curse you. There's a whole lot of ways that mediocrity is not what you want to be. But let me tell you something. There's a way that mediocrity is okay. Leave me somewhere in the middle, God. I don't have too much, but I've got enough. Bought some land. I got to go see it. I got to watch what he says. Now I want you to, you, you know, and I believe in the context of what is really being said here for you and I that what he's about to say is not intended to be literal. One reason I think I can say that is because Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's done what? Sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to Give sight to the blind. He wasn't speaking in that context physically, even though we know he did those things. So I think we could say that there's more than just a natural physical thing here. That he says, I want you to go into the streets and lanes of the city and I want you to bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is, there's, there's still room. I want you to go out. The the message Bible says it this way. Quickly, get out into the streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and homeless and wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. The Passion Translation says it this way. Go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find. The poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, the lonely. Invite them to my banquet. Sure, I think there can be some literal, natural application. But I think in the context of tonight, that is more about a spiritual application. There's some thirsty people out there that have no money to buy drink. There's some hungry people out there that don't have the money to buy the food. And I'm not talking natural, I'm talking spiritual. And the Spirit of the Lord said through Isaiah, you tell them to come. They may not be the people that are going to raise your status. They may not be the people that are going to elevate you in society. But they're the people that are hungry. They're the people that are thirsty. They're the people that will come. Oh God, let the Spirit and the Bride say tonight, come. Come to the poor. Come to the broken. Come to those that are not, they don't have anything to offer us. Come. Does the Spirit and the Bride say tonight, come. 
It's a statement a man got to making years ago that got repeated a lot. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but the statement, who I'm talking about, the statement was, if you'll reach the people nobody wants, God will send you the people everybody wants. I, I guess there's truth to that. The bottom line is this, and I've learned this, and I'm seeing this, and I believe you are more and more. The brokenness has nothing to do with the neighborhood. The brokenness has nothing to do with the the expensiveness of the car that's being driven. There's several, in, in the rotation of prayer on Wednesday morning, the pastors, the local pastors that come together, they, they go into several communities in our area, several low-income communities in our area, and, and there's this focus about all the needs and the hurting and the wounded, and I know they're absolutely there, but there's been a few times when it's come my time to say something, I've just kind of said, don't forget, just because they live in a multi-million dollar house and drive an expensive car doesn't mean that it's all good stuff going on inside that house. There's just as much brokenness in Downs or whatever it is on the Severn as there is in Robinwood. But oh, let him that is thirsty come. Let him that is hungry come. If you don't have the means to buy it, come anyway. Come and drink of the liver of the living water freely. Freely. I'm so thankful for what we have. I'm so thankful for what God has blessed this congregation with. I've said, I'm going to keep saying, I know we're not perfect. I know we've got plenty of areas to keep growing and improving. But the bottom line is not any one of us individually are perfect. I'm thankful for what's going on. I'm thankful for the ministry that takes place in this body and I'm, I'm thankful for the care that takes place and the love and again the still there's things that happen that shouldn't happen. I'm not saying that. You know what? I, 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 I can remember what it was like eight, seven, eight years ago. Whatever, what's 2016? Seven years ago? I remember what it was like on Sunday mornings. For months, when all four of those back sections were completely empty, and we got everybody to sit up front, and we turned the lights off back there because we didn't want to look back there because there wasn't nobody back there. I remember that. And now we're, we're not full. We're not even anywhere near full. And when we get those that four-year finish and all that stuff comes out, we're going to get a bunch more chairs in here. But if we're not careful, I stand up here now on a Sunday morning and I can look from front to the back and pretty much scattered all over this sanctuary are people. We haven't arrived. The bottom line is if we showed up here next Sunday morning and every single seat in this sanctuary that's out and the rest of them got put out and they had a warm body in them, we haven't arrived. Because you can't put more than about 800 comfortably in this sanctuary. Excuse me, you can't put 800 comfortably, but you can put 800. We've had it here at Gather years ago. There's 500,000 people in this county. 
800 people's not ev- 800 people is not every hungry, thirsty, broken, poor, main person. Watch this, watch this. Ezekiel 47 and verse 1. Oh God, give us this revelation. God, give us this revelation. Afterward, Ezekiel speaking, he says, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came out down from under the under from the right side of the house of the, at the south side of the altar. Just, 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 I, I know that what he's seeing and talking about is not this, this building. Would you just humor me to apply it in principle? He says, I, I, I was at the door of the house, and out of the house there was, there was a river. There was waters flowing. It was coming from the altar. And he says, And then he brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way of looking eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Watch this. And he measured... A thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and they were to the loins. And afterward, he measured a thousand. It was a river that I should not pass over for the waters were risen. Waters to swim in a river that could not be passed over. I love what takes place in this sanctuary. Whether it's a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Thursday night or pause or back to school revival or a prayer meeting or whatever. I absolutely love what takes place here. But in the vision Ezekiel saw, that was the shallowest place. Did you get the fact That the further he went from the house where the waters were, some of us think it gets shallower. Some of us think we started thousands and thousands of cubits away and way out there it was ankle deep. But as I got closer to the house of God, it got deeper and and it got to the ankles. And and as I got a little closer, it got to my knees. And and then when I got a little closer, it it got to my waist. And and then when I finally got a little bit closer than that, it was, boy, we in some deep waters tonight, aren't we? You know why some of you are getting bored with your walk with God? Because all you ever do is play in ankle deep water. I mean, when you were, you know, three, four, five, six years old, finding a mud puddle and doing that was really cool. When's the last time you grown ups have done that? Some of you have done it, but when's the last time most of you? The further from the house, the further from the altar, the deeper the waters got. 
It wasn't waters to swim in at the altar. Come on, I, 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 there, y'all, no, y'all aren't supposed to be on Instagram, Facebook, so this shouldn't get on. How stupid does this look? Swim in ankle deep waters. You put a kid in a bathtub, you put a toddler in a bathtub, they'll sit there for hours having a blast. He said, But the further I got away, the deeper the waters got. And then watch this. Not only did the deeper did the deeper the water get, the farther away I got. But, but watch what happened. He said unto me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. Now watch this. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth whithersoever the rivers come, shall live. I love this place. I don't have to tell you that. You ought to know that by now if you've been here very long. I love this place. But he didn't say everything that gets to the sanctuary is going to get healed, going to live. He said every place that river flows further and further away from the house, everything that's alive and comes in contact with the river, it's going to live. But he didn't stop there. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters come thither, for they shall be healed. And and everything shall live thither the river cometh. What's that next verse say? Can you put that next verse? I don't have it in my note. What's that? Somewhere in there, I thought. Talks about even the, the things that are dead. When they come in contact with the river, they're going to live. The spirit and the bride say, Come to everyone that's thirsty, come to everyone that's broken. Come to the lame, come to the maimed, come to the to the addicted, come to the bound, come to the gender confused, come to the cross-dressing person, come. Because if we can just get you to the water, or if we can just get the water to you, whatever touches the water is going to live. Oh God, let something break forth in this congregation tonight that doesn't just say for you to come to us, but let the Spirit and the Bride say to everyone that is thirsty, come, let us be in agreement with the Spirit and say, come. Come, come, come to those that have been discarded by society. Come to the water. To those that have been broken and beaten down. Come to those that have become hopeless because of where they've been and what they've been through. Let the Spirit.
spirit and the bride say come because we know that if you'll come to the water it's not by might it's not by power but there can be a transformation by the spirit of God come on there's something moving in this place right now Come on, would you let the bride join with the Spirit? Come on, let's let the bride join with the Spirit right now. Come on, let's let the bride connect with the Spirit and join with the Spirit and say, Come to those that may not look like me, come. To those that may not dress like me, come. To those that may see things different than I do, come. From those that have come from divorce, come. Those that have come from broken homes, come. It doesn't matter what the circumstances and situations are. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Oh God, help us not to get disillusioned by those that are too busy. Help us not to get disillusioned by those that can buy land without seeing it and buy oxen without proving them. God, don't let us get disillusioned that nobody's hungry, nobody's searching. Oh God, let the Spirit bride Say, come. Oh, God, let that river that flows out from this sanctuary, let us find that place where it's waters to swim in. Not here, but somewhere out there. I wish I could get some travailers tonight. I wish I could get some people that, whether you're male or female, I don't care. But I wonder if there's some travailers. The Bible says that as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. We're not looking for another membership growth program. We're not looking for another scheme or gimmick to just get people in the door. We want people to find living water. We want people to find the one that's the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Come on. Some of you need to tap into those deep waters on your job. Some of you need to tap into those deep waters on your job. Some of you need to tap into those deep waters on your campus, in your school. Some of you need to tap in to those deep waters in the restaurant, in the store, on the street. Let's quit trying to swim around in ankle-deep water in the sanctuary. Let's quit trying to, to have a good time in ankle-deep water in the sanctuary. Let's find those deep waters to swim in where there's life, where there's healing, where there's restoration. Come on, we know Scripture tells us the Spirit is drawing. 
We know Scripture tells us the Spirit is drawing. But oh God, let it be the Spirit and the Bride. Let it not just be the Spirit saying come, but let the Spirit and the Bride say come. Oh, to the broken, to the bruised, to the prisoner, to the captive, to the blind, to the crippled, to the maimed. Let everyone come and drink freely. Those that have no ability, God, to earn, deserve, let them come and drink freely. Come on, some of you are looking for a new dimension at this altar, and God's trying to give you a new dimension somewhere out there. Some of you are trying to go deeper at this altar, and God's trying to get you to go deeper in waters that are flowing away from here because there's some wounded, there's some sick, there's some broken that need to come in contact with the water. All over this county, Lord, let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All over this county, Lord, let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All over this region, Lord, let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All over this state, Lord, let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All over this nation, Lord, let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All over this world, God, let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. God, don't let us get so focused on saying for you to come. Don't let us get so caught up in joining for you to come that we forget about the thirsty that need to come. Don't let us be so intent on trying to get you to come that we forget about the broken that need to come. Ikayando rabo satarabaki e alaramando rabo God, it's not with enticing words. It's not with our eloquency. It's not with our intellect, but it's the demonstration and the power of your spirit. 
It's the manifestation of your presence. It's the moving and the working of your spirit, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, you're the answer. Jesus, you're the answer. Jesus, you're the answer. Jesus, you're the answer. You were the answer. You are the answer. You will always be the answer. In the name of Jesus, let the thirsty come, let the wounded come, let the hopeless come. Lord, those that don't have anything to offer us, let them come. Those that don't have anything to give us, let them come and drink freely. Ikayanda Rabasatayando Roboko Shatala. Ikayando Roboko Seye Alala Mahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ikaramando Roboko Seye Kiarata Bahaya. Ikalamando robo shei alarabakasi. Silo robo konde eki arabakayando robo shata. Ikoramanda yato robo kosataya. Ikalamando robo shei. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ikiyala Rabu Kusata Rama.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ikarabashata yondo roboko satayon. Ikamondo roboshegi. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Here I am, Lord. couple of years, I know, I believe with all of my heart that God is a healer. And, and yeah, physically, but I don't, I'm not referring to physically right now. I believe God that can, I believe God can heal wounded hearts, broken spirits. I, I believe all of that. 
I believe all of that. I've, I, I've, I've seen him do it. I've heard testimonies. But I wonder if the enemy hasn't taking, taken something that God intended for good and he's turned it for evil. Because there's people sitting in this room tonight that you are paralyzed waiting on some kind of complete healing before you are ready to respond to the call or submit to what God wants to do through your life. One of the most amazing things I've seen in my lifetime, if I'm not mistaken, there may be somebody here that could help me on this, but I believe it was in the 80s, maybe early 90s, somewhere in that time frame. There was a picture, I think his first name was Jim. His last name was Abbott. Anybody remember him? He didn't have an he didn't have a hand on uh, I think it was I don't remember if he was right-handed or left-handed. Whichever hand he pitched with, the other hand it was basically just a nub. He was a major league baseball pitcher. And he wasn't a pitcher in the major leagues because somebody was giving him sympathy. He was good. He had several good years as a successful pitcher. And it was amazing to watch. He would have that glove tucked in his arm. And he would pitch. And then he learned how to flip that glove around and use it. And how easy would it have been? I don't remember if he was born that way or if it was an accident. I don't remember. How easy would it have been to look at that arm and say, the only way to be a pitcher in the major leagues is you got to have all parts of your body. I tell some of you tonight, God may never fully heal some things in your life. Anybody catch that part in the commentary the last week or so about affliction? Wow. The thing we hate, the thing we avoid, if you read it and it didn't give you a new perspective. Some of you got some things you're waiting on God to fix and then you think you'll be ready. The problem is when God fixes it the way you want him to, you'll be out of here. Because then you can just do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. The things that God leaves in your life to keep you reminded you need Him are not curses, they're blessings. But I also believe some of your healing is on the other side of you deciding, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and be paralyzed because I've got stuff from my past that I'm still working on and trying to get through. The Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient. Some of you are waiting on an 18-wheeler to show up, a tanker to show up with grace. You get one of them tankers that pull into the gas stations. You're waiting on one of them to show up with grace, and then you'll be, all right, now I'm ready. No, you're not. You're ready right now because my, he said my grace is sufficient. It is enough. You get enough grace for the moment. 
And if some of you will decide to start, start taking some steps, you'll be amazed to see what God starts doing through you and then what He does in you. Some of the most admired people in our world and throughout history have been people that have learned to deal with physical limitations. Do you know that there are blind people who have climbed Mount Everest? I got good eyes and I ain't climbing Mount Everest. Although, at least I wouldn't know how high I was, I guess. Blind people have summited Mount Everest. Folks, the natural was intended to be a parallel to the spiritual. Thank God for Celebrate Recovery and all the ministry and effort that goes into that. But what if God decides to not let you get fully recovered because He knows you need just enough that your limitations does not restrict you from being a conduit for the Spirit of God to flow through you to somebody that needs it. We won't sing it, but the old song says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, take my feet, touch my heart. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I trust God that By your grace, I have said what you have wanted me to say tonight. Lord, I pray that if any any way, flesh, or if my humanity has bled through at any point, I ask for your forgiveness. That's not my desire. I want to be a conduit for you to flow through. I pray, God, that more than just hearing a word, hearing a message tonight, that there has been a work of your Spirit. Lord, You have given us amazing promises. The promises in your word that apply to us. You've given promises to this church, Antioch as a whole. You've given promises to this congregation. And you've given promises to many of us individually. So God, with the confidence of those promises... Let us go forward with an attitude and a spirit that joins together with you and says, come. Lord, there's nobody that's too broken for you to fix. There's nobody that's too bound that you can't deliver. There's nobody too messed up that you can't restore. Let us join with you in unison to say to those who are thirsty, come. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you feel a need to continue to pray, you're welcome to. If you feel that and it's too distracting here, you can go down to the chapel. But otherwise, dismissed in Jesus' name.